Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And we're so glad you guys are part of this emotional health series brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. And it's been a wonderful resource for us. And we're hoping that you're enjoying it as you think about the gifts you'll be buying for this Christmas and all the good things. Check them out. And then today we're going to move into the topic of fear. But before we talk about fear, now this is one of those emotions I think we all grapple with. We've seen our whole world grapple with it the last few yes. years, probably at just an epidemic proportion. Um, but as you're making your plans for the next couple of weeks, we have a few spots still remaining, and we know there's some of you out there listening, and you, you've heard us talk about it, but you haven't made that final decision. We're going to be in Franklin together November 17 and 18, and we're going to have Dr. Chip Dodd with us. So you've been listening to this series. Maybe you've got that question for him that you've dying to ask that's too personal to your situation. You're going to have that chance when you're with us. And also Dr. Kurt Thompson will be with us and John and Lisa Bevere for our emotional health retreat. This is our third year mm-hmm. doing this retreat. Yes, It's always sold out. It's always an amazing conversation of two days of pretty intense dialing in to our emotional health that helps you become the best person you could be in relationship with your spouse, your children, your friends, and it's a dynamic time. Yeah, it's not just for couples. It's for individuals. If you want to come and bring a friend, uh, there's a little discount if two people come. So just check all of that out. We would love to have you. We don't do this again until next November. So we want to make sure that you're like, no, we'll do it in the spring. We're not doing it in the spring. We'll do it again in a year. So if you've been thinking about it or you're on the fence, this is your chance to get that in before we do this again a year from now. And the reason why I think the emotional health retreat is so important is Gabe and I have been to everyone and we learn something every time. It's even when you think that you're healthy, there's something insightful that the Lord is going to reveal to you to go deeper in intimacy with Him even in understanding your own heart longing and need, and then obviously with the people around you. And so you you are gifted with something that you then get to process and then be for someone else as well. That's the goal. Yeah. And so you can learn more about it. You can also register at RebeccaLyons.com slash EH retreat. That's EH retreat. And if you have any questions, check them out in the FAQ. But we'd love to have you there and love to meet you and just get that time. Rebecca and I get filled up as well yes. from this time with you. It's really great. We love doing the podcast. We love talking to one another, but we're looking at microphones right, right. now, not you. We want to see your face. It's so much more fun. <laughs> um, well, today we're moving into this emotion of fear. And Rebecca, I think for you and I, man, we've been talking about fear a lot because we have. we've, we've kind of debated, and we'll talk about this with Chip, but that is fear ever good? Like, right. And I think the tendency is to be like, no, fear is bad. Mm-hmm. But Chip's going to help us take a different look at it. Yeah. And and that's what we need to hear. There's a healthy fear, right? Um, like things that our, our brain's like, yeah, actually, you shouldn't do that. That's not a smart thing to do. That's dangerous. That's a healthy fear. But 
the fear that we want to confront is the crippling, hiding kind of fear. Uh, and so we're going to do that with Chip here shortly. We're going to also continue with this conversation with Tony Collier, who just released a book called Brave Enough to be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing. And the beauty of this conversation with both of them is that this turning toward fear, right, this this confronting fear and embracing fear and naming even what we're afraid of is the gateway to healing. It is how we then expose ourselves, makes ourselves vulnerable, invite God in, invite others in, in community, and then see God do a work. And if you're listening to this and you're enjoying this series, we want to invite you to invite your friends to do it, but also invite your spouse, invite your community of friends if you're not married. Just the people that you're trying to be emotionally healthy with, encourage them to come and watch this series because we have every one of these episodes with Chip on video recorded on our couch, Rebecca and I talking with him and talking through each of these emotions. And it's a perfect way to begin conversations. And you can go to RebeccaLyons.com slash emotional health, and that's where you can access that as well as a PDF guide that you can download that helps you ask the important questions that will drive conversations to lead you guys to health. Hey friends, we are so excited that this season of Emotional Health is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. I love this translation. I study from it, I read from it, I take notes, and then I travel with it and even teach with it. It's the pocket size that I take on the road and a bigger one that I put in my suitcase. It's approachable, legible, understandable, and I just love this translation. It blends accuracy and readability, so you don't have to choose between the literal or paraphrase, and there's so many different varieties, right? You've different editions from study Bible to note-taking Bibles, premium Bibles, and kids' Bibles, you will definitely be able to find one that fits your needs and works best for you and your family. So save 40% on a Bible at lifeway.com using the code R4L. That's the letter R, the number four, the letter L. So use that code. Go grab one for yourself, maybe for a loved one, maybe a gift for Christmas. Lifeway.com. Use the code R4L. Okay, so today we are tackling fear right. and tackle you, fear. Yeah, <laughs> our field guide for fear today. Yeah. Um, you tell us that fear brings us strength. It is the feeling that allows us to experience risk, trust, dependency, collaboration, and ultimately wisdom, yep. because it helps us realize our need for help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's jump in. All right. Risking, trusting, dependency, collaboration. Why are we so afraid of those things? <laughs> in so many ways, the, the, the fear of being in need, mm-hmm. the fear of admitting need, because so much of our lives have been taught to us that fear equals weakness, and you need to be fearless. Right. Mm. Which means don't need. Right. Know all the answers. Yeah. Don't ask questions. We talked earlier about intuition plus suspicion plus questions equals yeah. discernment, which is the edge of wisdom. Mm. So fear is a feeling that tells us we're in danger and we need help. Yeah. So if you can't recognize danger, a pilot that can't recognize danger, I don't want to fly with. You're right. Yeah. You know, that's an unwise guy. Right? And, and I'm feeling there's a theme here. Like mm-hmm. don't feel, don't feel, um, don't feel fear, don't feel anger, mm-hmm. don't feel grief, don't, don't feel weak. lost, don't right. feel lonely. Don't feel. It's almost like the reason these are seen so negatively is that we're not supposed to, like the society would tell us that we're not supposed to feel any of these things. Exactly. But yet what you're telling us is that 
there's a goodness in all of these things. Yes. There's a goodness, there's a wholeness, there's an acknowledging yes. the heart. Yes, that the things. tools, God has given us eight tools, literally. They're, they're real things, just like needs are real things and just like longings are real things. Hope is a real thing. That We've been given these tools that actually let us live fully in a tragic place. So fear allows us to cry out for help. When the help comes, we end up gaining what we need so that we can, one, avoid the danger, guardrails, mm -hmm. and still stay on the path of where we hunger to go. Yeah, Fear is the beginning of wisdom. Right. That's yeah. right. And I want to talk about that because I think in the last couple of years, I know for Rebecca and I, this became a bit of a conversation because I would always defend the way I was thinking about something or feeling as the fear has led me towards wisdom. Like I feel like we need to make some decisions based on what we're seeing in front of us yes. in society or all the changes that are taking place. Um, but it could feel like her to her, like, no, this is fear. Like you're, you're making decisions out of fear and we could not find our yeah. way through. We're that. like, is this, is this kind of edging into anxiety, like an anxiousness mm -hmm. attached to the fear? Mm -hmm. um, or is it, okay, we know this information, we'll do this. And I think the continuum of, how long we focus on something, ruminate on something, dwell on something might impact that. So tell me yeah. what you think about yeah, that. See, see when, when fear doesn't lead us to asking for help, which is practicing the results, gaining information from other people, getting prepared to go do something, anticipating consequences, see how it all moves to learning yeah. how to live life on life's terms. If we can't ask for help well and follow that guidance, sometimes even though we don't want to, and our fear gets us ready for risk, taking on something, battle. Mm -hmm. Anger takes us to it. Fear gets us prepped for it. Hmm. If you can't do fear, if you can't ask for help, then anxiety is going to take over because mm -hmm. anxiety is an attempt to control life so we won't have to be in need of, of others to help us live life. Wow. And that's the distinction that's between the, the distinction two. That's the distinction. And anxiety is not bad. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. I mean, it's thank God for anxiety. Mm -hmm. Fight, flight, or freeze gets us to react to something to save ourselves. Right. But fear is there to help us thrive, not just survive. Anxiety is about survival. Fear is about thriving. Okay. So if you do fear well, you'll do life well. But Gabe, you're talking about like, I see these problems happening in society. I see that if we don't do something about them, we're all going to go down, so to speak. <laughs> the, the ship's going to sink. That's a fear. And then you're asking, what can be done about it? And then you're looking into options, and you want something to be different. That's anger. Mm -hmm. And you're willing to be in pain for that anger to find a resolution, to get yeah. an outcome, yeah. right? So your fear actually leads you to taking the risk of trusting risk-taking, mm -hmm. right? And then when, when help comes, you develop faith. You develop a trust in a process, mm. right? That's good, yeah. And wisdom, in its bottom little bitty simplicity, big topic, wisdom just means knowing when. Hmm. Knowing when. When to act. When to act, when to be still, when to wait, when to go, hmm. which requires a great deal of sensitivity, hmm. a great deal of sensing, a great deal of asking, a great deal of seeking, a great deal of knocking. And then when it's time to go, you go. Yeah, but it it takes iron sharpening sharpening yeah. iron because timing. You, well, you will be the caution to his zeal, and in his zeal, he needs to be cautioned so he can do it wisely. wisely. And I think I think what can you has just move in? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know what, and I love it. Can you just move in? Meaning, can it, it, there's a bigger help? 
like mm-hmm. on, on you in your your world of your passion, you have a board. Yeah. And th- that board is there to give you counsel around your zeal, That's around right. your passion. Yeah. To make sure that your passion doesn't become just fury. Mm-hmm. Right. right. It, it, but you do need to have be furious about it. Mm-hmm. But you need to guide the fury. So what's how would you define fury? Fury f- fury is uh, like uh the zeal out of control. The levees on the Mississippi River, it used to be just this giant power that it might flood the delta, destroy the crops, or we might be able to use it for irrigation. Mm. So levees, guardrails, boards, wisdom givers, good counsel, yeah. willingness to seek good Keep counsel. It in, yeah. yeah. Keep it yeah. in guardrails. And, yeah. And I think in our cultural moment, there's a lot of people that feel fear. They've gone through a lot of change. Yes. I think a lot of men especially have, they don't want to acknowledge it. They don't know how to admit it. They're having a hard time speaking to their wife about the things they're fearing yes. about the future and where things could be right. headed. And when they go to isolation, this becomes really unhealthy. But yep. when we start to invite community in, as you said, we yes. don't we don't just ruminate on it alone and spin scenarios in our head. So we actually invite other people into it mm-hmm. and say, how are you feeling? What, what are mm-hmm. you thinking about this? How could we work together mm-hmm. how could we be a community how could we build resilience right because when you talk about healthy shame then you're talking about the humility of bringing more into it because together we can do more than we are apart you have more gifts yeah that's right but if there's not a somebody who has a zeal then you you have no leader yeah and so somebody has to lead and it's the person who's been assigned that call upon them who calls to others and if they're called to it they join but they don't, they're not the leader. Right. Mm. There has to be a decider. Yeah. yeah. But that decider has to be, really needs to be wise, which means listens to the counsel of others, especially paying attention to the one who knows him best or hmm. her best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's because, loving this. I know. Because she has your six. She has your six no matter what. Yeah. Now yeah. sometimes she has a rope saying, don't go that yeah. way, yeah. which means sometimes her fear, your fear could be mm-hmm. uh, overwhelming. Right, sure. You lose track of your own anger you yeah. know, or and trust. I, the reason why I'm, I'm so thankful that we're leaning into fear today is because our kids um, would name that they live in fear. Like yeah. I, I'm thinking about like agency that's required to affect change that mm-hmm. you talked about, or like healthy mm-hmm. fear leads to action, yes. a plan, making a plan and then working a plan yep. in, in community. Yeah. Whereas kids who are isolated and... Um, just hearing a lot of bad news. There's a lot of bad news, yet Psalm says don't have fear of bad news. But yet mm-hmm. we've got suicide rates are up in all ages, yeah. especially in younger people. Um, a lot of confusion about like identity, mm-hmm. sexuality, mm-hmm. what makes family, right? So everything is upended right now. Well, they're being injected with anxiety. Right. They're being injected with fight, flight, or freeze. Yes. Which is react to avoid feeling fear. Mm. They're being trained not to feel fear. Hmm. just like many of us have. That's what's so beautiful about you guys is that y'all are attending to the reality that that we're scared and there are things that are scary. Mm-hmm. So instead of reacting to them, y'all are responding. Right. You're making plans. You're laying out ideas. You're inviting a community to join you because we are living in possibly one of the scarier times this nation has ever gone through because the the pandemic of addiction is actually controlling our culture. Right. And that means we will do anything, and now we have more access and ways to avoid our fear and our feelings than ever before. Right. So we are a culture that is unfeeling and and, uh, fearful of feeling. 
And if we don't join critical thinking with how God created us as feeling creatures who seek spiritual, then we're going to lose our moment. Hmm. See, so we can't address the fear, but it has to be the head and the heart integrated. Otherwise, we're going to be driven by classic uh, rationality, which does not attend to the heart, or we're going to try to attend to the heart without having to feel it. Mm. Yeah. which is our our addiction culture. Yeah, but we could be get addicted to control too. Right. I mean, and you and you said, you know, in a in a past episode that 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 addiction rises mm-hmm. in loneliness, Absolutely. in isolation, and right? Fear so so and sadness, yeah. Right. So yeah. so just seeing how much we need one another mm-hmm. to kind of be that tethering, that yeah. that rounding out, that that um, guardrail, yep. quite frankly, for one another. Yep. Having that wisdom. How would you talk to a teenager right now who might tune into this that that says, oh, I, I feel fear. It manifests in anxiety. That's mm-hmm. that's the umbrella word everyone is using right yeah. now for a lot of these emotions. Mm-hmm. It's just anxiety. It's just the word. But they feel powerless to the anxiety when it rolls through them. Yes. And they feel powerless without um, how to affect change and make a plan yeah. so that it can be actually a healthy fear of mm-hmm. what should be considered fearful yeah. um or threatening but yet have agency to do something like as adults we we could do that but for kids i think it's a little bit harder yeah and and uh i wrote a book called how are you feeling today it's a children's book uh, that helps children to address all the feelings and then there's a, a book called parenting with heart that is about parents needing to be grown-ups so they can raise their children who have fear in other words the grown-ups need to know what to do with fear too mm-hmm. But it really is about uh, uh, children, adolescents, naming what they fear. Hmm. And most of the time, what they really fear is having their feelings or having their voices. Because hmm. we live in a culture now that is imposing a voice on the children. Hmm. Yeah. Imposing a voice, which makes them anxious because you won't belong and matter unless you use the voice we tell you to use. And if you use the voice God gave you, which is a feeling voice that expresses desire and longings, you're not going to belong. So they're they're being threatened to hide their fear Mm. and hide their sadness rather than speak it. Because ultimately, anxiety is a terror of using your voice. Mm. It's a terror of having your anger. Yeah, Isn't so it weird? Good. Yeah. And anger meaning well, your desire, your longings, your hope, and so on. So well, we know the mm-hmm. enemy um uses fear. Like this is one of his number one tools. And so it's rampant today. Mm-hmm. And this is so helpful to see how fear can lead to wisdom. Like there yeah. is a gift in fear and it leads us yeah. as all these emotions the, do the, and the, feelings the towards others. Yeah. yeah. And and inviting others in. Yeah. 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 And you know, last thing that w- w- when when a person decides that they're going to live wisely, they want to make right decisions, right? And and right decisions is often perfectionism. You can't be perfect. So we've got to just learn the risk of making decisions as wisely as possible. And then when we find out mm, that wasn't the best one, we just make another decision. You can't make right decisions. You can just make decisions and work to make them right. Mm. You follow? Yeah. So fear is always going to be with us, yeah. but it helps us be wise and discerning and need each other. Yeah, thanks for helping us see the gift of that because <laughs> it's a hard one for people to understand, yeah. but this was really helpful. Good. I hope you enjoyed 
hearing this conversation on Fear with Chip and Rebecca. And now we're going to move into a conversation with Tony Collier where we're going to dive in to her story about how she's had to have courage in the midst of understanding her brokenness. We are big fans of you and Sam and just love time we get with you offline, but it's fun to have this conversation with you today on the podcast because you've done a lot of research and study and healing, and we just want our listeners to hear about that. Yeah, you know, talking about the subject of fear today and how that can lead us down these really dark paths. We get anxious. We don't really know how to mobilize. We get paralyzed. Um, And so much of what you're helping us understand in your latest writing is what does it mean to be brave and to sort of face those fears. So just tell us a little bit about why you chose to write about this area of being brave as it relates to our brokenness. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the reason why we write books and write blogs and we put content out in the first place is because it's probably impacted us in our stories. And I know for me, there was a point in my life where I was going through all sorts of things. I mean, I was in an abusive marriage. There was, you know, doors ripped off the hinges and holes punched in the walls. I was, you know, at a church that was really unhealthy at the time. And it was really difficult for me to choose bravery. What I chose instead is this kind of, you know, fake perfection. I was showing up on social media, acting like everything was fine. Not because I wanted to, but because I felt I had to. I was afraid that if people saw the real me, if people actually knew that I was having a really difficult time in marriage and that I was, you know, at a church that had some really unhealthy uh, people in it, that they would leave me. You know, I was scared of loneliness. My counselor says this all the time. She said, Tony, there was a part of your life where you would choose agony over loneliness because of your deep fear of just being alone. And so I think for me, from that place, I said, no, I, I need to choose bravery. I need to choose bravery to say, hey, I've got some, some really broken parts of my story, and they started in childhood, and I want hope. I, I want real, authentic peace and hope and healing. And so I had to choose bravery for that in my own personal story. And then I realized how many people actually battle with it as I started becoming brave enough to actually share my healing journey. I started, you know, just stumbling upon people that said, I just, I don't think I could ever be brave enough to share that part of my story. I haven't even been brave enough to share it with myself, you know, let alone, you know, surrendering it to God and then surrendering it to safe community. And so I wanted to write a book that helped people choose to look fear in the eyes and say, I choose bravery today. Uh, Shame has no more strongholds on my story. I'm going to pursue and stare at the pain, especially the painful parts of my story, and I'm gonna overcome them. I'm gonna find hope again. So that's why I Mm -hmm. wrote it. Yeah, girl. Well, and one thing that you say, um, embrace your pain, and people are like, what? Back scratch. (laughs) You know, I can tolerate it. I can avoid it. I can kind of turn towards it. But you're saying embrace, and I think there's something very empowering there uh, about this idea of when you said you wouldn't acknowledge it even in yourself, right? Like, that's kind of the point of sin is it separates. It separates us from knowing God, knowing ourselves, knowing others, right? This this like almost avoidance of those places that are dark and and hard. And yet you're not saying you're saying turn toward it. Um look at that shame in the face. Um look at those parts of the story that you'd rather avoid and now embrace you're not embracing the broken label, but what you are embracing is this 
redemption story that you now feel free to confront and invite God into, right? And let Him do the healing work because you can't heal what you can't name. <laughs> so how did you start that journey? How, what gave you the courage initially to go, I am broken and I'm ready to say it out loud and I'm ready to say it in front of someone who loves me? What does that mean for you and how mm. did that happen? And my husband says, um, you know, if life was a game, then we can win or lose at it. And I think that God has given us these beautiful formulas all throughout Scripture that allows us to get access to what you know we would coin as His winning power, and I mean one of them is Second Corinthians chapter twelve verse nine, as you know Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's just saying that God's grace is sufficient for our weaknesses, for our brokenness, and His you know power is traded for our weaknesses. But there's a key in the verse that I think we just try to, you know, avoid or jump across. We're like, oh, yeah, God's got a grace for us. It's so sufficient. It's so powerful. It's amazing. Yay. But Paul says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my brokenness so that Christ's power will rest on us. And so I I think that what I've decided to do is to believe that, one, it's not perfection that gets us to, you know, a beautiful life. It's surrender. And in order for us to surrender things at the cross, we've got to be able to grab it and drag it to the cross, kicking and screaming. I, I realized that it, from my first 24 years of life, from you know sexual abuse and manipulation from family members in my childhood and losing my virginity at 13 and turning to drugs and alcohol at 14 and 15 and leaving my parents' house at 16, I was losing at life. And essentially what was happening is that the enemy just was winning. I was running away from all my problems. And you know, if you're gonna go to battle, you better turn towards your enemy. And what was happening is the pain was catching me off guard because it was behind me. But it wasn't until the moment where I said, I'm gonna turn around and look it in the eye. I'm gonna embrace this pain. I'm gonna embrace the broken parts of my story. It wasn't until that moment that I found the strength to drag it to the cross because I was prepared. I saw it. I knew it. I started to name it. Just as you said, Rebecca, I started to name it. And therefore, I started to be able to heal it with Jesus. And I just think that, you know, when we embrace the hard things, I just think it loses its power. It, it starts to, the strongholds start to drop up off of it because we can see it clearly and it's not catching us off guard. And so when we, I mean, we, we go back to this idea that we are imperfect, as Brene Brown says, and we're, you know, wired for struggle, but we're still worthy of love and belonging. I think when we could just start to be like, okay, we're imperfect. Yep. Like that, it is what it is. And we live in a broken, fallen world. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to experience pain. Got it, got it, got it. When we know that that's what's going to happen, our expectations change. And then I think, again, we just become stronger. Yeah. When did you um, get to that place, Tony, where after experiencing all of the sexual abuse, the upbringing that created all kinds of trauma in your own life? Because it, it feels like a lot of people, it's late in life that they figure out like all this trauma and how much it's affecting their way of life, the way they interact with people, their personality, <laughs> all the ways they've created a, a new personality almost to deal with that trauma. That's um, really good. For you, how did it how did you make that switch early in life and realize like this was going to cost me something if I don't start dealing with the heart trauma that I've dealt with? Well, let me say this. My story is a bit peculiar. My counselor says, you know, one of the things that really defined me in childhood was parentification, which essentially 
showed up in my story because my mom was really sick. She had a massive stroke when I was eight years old. And um, I started taking care of her and, you know, making sure medicine was in the little bottles and bathing her and making sure she had something to eat. My dad kind of threw himself into work. And so I was essentially just like a little adult at eight years old. And so I think darkness entered my story really quickly. And I, I think, you know, at 16, when I, you know, you leave the house and you become what you think is an adult, my version of being an adult at just 16, and then getting, you know, engaged at 19 and marrying someone that, you know, ended up being really abusive and toxic. I think what happens is you hit rock bottom real quick, okay? And that has nothing to do with my abilities. It has everything to do with how hard and painful my story was. And so at 24, I had, you know, been married, I had a child already, and I've been divorced. Um, I was transitioning from a really, really um, unhealthy church, and I hit rock bottom. But that's honestly not what changed me, because in rock bottom, I just started making even more, just worse decisions. I started partying a little bit, and I was like, forget the church, whatever. It wasn't until I decided to get into a healthy community that I saw the reflection of my unhealth. When I decided to go back to church and found a really healthy church in North Point Ministries under the leadership of Andy Stanley, when I started to change, you know, the friends that I kind of hang around or hung around, then I started to realize how unhealthy I was. How, you know, one of the, the reasons why I was in a really toxic church is because I was worshiping a pastor, not a savior. And those are the things that I had to take responsibility for. When I hit rock bottom, and when I got into healthy environments, I saw how unhealthy I was. And from that place, I said, oh no, I, I don't wanna leak. My, you know, you think that when you get out of a situation, everything just gets all clean. Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm transitioning, I'm in a new church now. Oh, I'm in a new relationship now. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be fine. But we leak. When we are toxic, we were in toxic environments, when abuse is a part of our story and trauma is. We carry the bitterness from that and the pain from that and all the wounds from that. And we become unhealthy wives and daughters and sons and, you know, all the things. And so I remember my hus my now husband, Sam, who was my boyfriend at the time, looking at me and saying, hey, I think you really need to get into counseling because this little relationship ain't going to work. And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you're a little toxic. And as hurtful as it was... I had taken on a lot of the behaviors that I had been around, and I did not want to be that person. And so I changed for me, and I changed for my daughter. Mm, that's beautiful. It's also important for people to hear the process and the journey of it, because sometimes people are coming into this series, this particular one on the eight primary feelings, and it's giving them language. That's part of it, I think, is like, you can't heal what you can't name, and and give the fear a name, right? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a memory, maybe it's a trauma, maybe it's an experience, but give that a name because until there's some clarity under this umbrella of anxiety, right, which isn't really, an, it's not one of the primary feelings. Anxiety is just the impairment of fear. And the gift of fear, though, is wisdom. So the unhealth of fear turns into this umbrella of anxiety where everything's just kind of scary and dark and we don't want to go there. But when you can name, no, this specific, you talking about the story of becoming, you know, maternal at eight, right? and your childhood was lost. Like that's specific. That That's um, something that's approachable. And then it's not so overwhelming to embrace that and just go, okay, so that's part of it. There's not shame in it. I didn't choose that. That's just the circumstances that I was dealt. 
And my mom didn't choose it either, right? Like it's not to demonize the other person, like nobody wants to get sick, um, but they, the cards were stacked in that way and you suffered. And so by just acknowledging that and going there, then that the shame kind of releases, right? Like it slowly lifts by telling that story. And I've watched you do that so beautifully these last couple of years, even as a newer friend of yours to, I've been the beneficiary of uh, Tony and counseling (laughs) and, and just seeing the freedom that of, of you just discussing it. Like, this is just part of the story. It's not the end of the story, but it was part of it. And what it did do, even that pain drew you to a place of need and desperation to to go to God and and have the strength to go to Him in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know you've been a part of a confessional community, and that's been something that you just raised that I think is so important when we're engaging all of these emotions is the power of a community of people around you to help you see what health looks like, like the church that you became a part of, or where you don't feel so alone. And so could you just help all of our listeners to understand when they're feeling this isolation, they're feeling fear, they're feeling anxious, they're realizing they have brokenness, they're feeling shame, so they don't think anybody wants to hear their story or they're too afraid to raise it, why this is actually part of the breakthrough. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because Dr. Kurt Thompson, who helps to lead our confessional community, um, he says this all the time. He says, you know, oftentimes it's not you know, the the pain of grief and the pain of having to heal because healing is painful, um, but it's the fear that we'll go through it alone that really takes us out. And it's so true. When I thought about going to counseling, I thought about my parents who, from an African-American community, really frowned upon counseling. When I told my parents <laughs> that I was in counseling, my mom called me. She said, girl, you got schizophrenic. What's going on? You schizophrenic. What's- I'm like, mom, okay, first of all, I don't know. I don't know. I may be, okay. But no, I, I want to go and heal. I want to go and be whole for Dylan, for my daughter. And I, there was just so much shame there. And I, I didn't have friends that believed in counseling. I didn't have friends that even understood this healing journey. And so I was so afraid to pursue it because I, I was afraid I was going to be alone in it, that there was no one that was going to come after me when I was having anxiety attacks, that no one was going to be with me when I had suicidal thoughts and ideation, that no one would come for me. And when you get into community, you get into people that look you in the face and say, I know everything you've done. I know your whole story because you've been brave enough to share it with me, and I love you the same. Oh, gosh, that means something. It, 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 it takes the sting off of being brave enough to heal and go through these really excruciating journeys of embracing pain, looking back in our stories and, and saying, yeah, that did happen to me, and that really sucks, and I just hate that that's a part of my story. It takes the sting off, and I think— If you're trying to heal alone, I would just encourage you not to, because I think healing is scary, and it's got anxiety in it, it's got fear in it, it's got all these different things. But if you have someone that can hold your shoulders up, hold your arms up, and say, I'm with you, and I'm not leaving, as Ann Voskamp says, is, you know, like Jesus with skin on, I think it just becomes that much easier. Yeah, as as you um, continue down this path and as you talk more about pain and healing, um, what's your encouragement for people who they're walking along someone who's going through this and they can see it from the outside, but they don't quite know how to help, right? Because it, it's up to that person in some ways to make that decision. But how can we as friends in a community encourage others 
to explore their stories a little deeper and to recognize, you know, that we're a safe person for them to be vulnerable with. Well, I have to highlight Rebecca in a moment here, but I first want to say I think a great question to ask ourselves when we're peeking into other people's stories is do I have the authority to speak into it? And not from a place of expertise, but from a place of um, compassion and connectedness. I think we really have to ask ourselves and be honest about how close and how safe that person feels with us. It's not to say we're not an unsafe person, but I do think we need to know, you know, we need to be mindful that, okay, I've got a voice in this person's life that they want to be invited, they want to invite me into it. And so I think that's just important. I will say, you know, I have to highlight Rebecca in this, um, and I may cry a little bit, but, you know, we've been knowing each other, you know, for a year or two now, guys, and we've had some really great moments. And, you know, over time, I've I've just gotten to experience the fullness of how wise y'all are and how much you've built, but how much you guys carry as well. And I remember um, there's this event that I went to in Tennessee, and I was, you know, praying and worshiping, and Rebecca comes up to me, and she probably doesn't even remember this, and she just starts to just speak words of life over me. And one of the things that she brought up was that I would enter into a season of mothering. And what Rebecca probably didn't know, what God was impressing in on her heart is that I had these just motherhood wounds that were just haunting me. And it is exactly what you said, Rebecca. You know, my mom, you know, she wasn't wicked. She was just weak. She was medically weak and she couldn't do anything um, but receive the care that I had to give to her as a, you know, a child caregiver. And, mm. but the, the tension was what I had missed out on as a child was true mothering, nurturing. And, you know, obviously you can't give what you didn't receive. And so then I'm raising this seven-year-old little girl and I'm praying about having another kid and I'm extremely nervous. And what I think was happening was that Rebecca recognized that we had gotten close enough. Um, She had gotten authority in my life to speak into that place and God released her to do that. And it started a healing journey in mothering wounds Mm. that I look back on now and I'm like astonished. Like, look (laughs) at what God did. He really did take me through a season of mothering and it's been really beautiful. Yeah, praise God. And obviously he's the one that gives us those words for one another. And before I gave that word to you, someone gave that word to me Mm. like a few years prior. And um and I do think sometimes we feel so equipped, ill-equipped, excuse me, for that role, right? It's like, you must be talking to somebody who's 20 years older than me because I'm still not ready, you know? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm walking around with a 21-year-old son. Like <laughs> yeah. taking on that mantle of mothering, whether it's those under our keeping inside our home or even mothering a generation outside of our home, that's intimidating, especially if we have some version of trauma in our upbringing that we need to be first healed as a daughter before we can be whole as a mother. And I think that I saw that in you and it was so beautiful because to me, when I came up to you, it was like already done. You know what I mean? Like the Lord gives you a picture of somebody fully redeemed um, and rescued even in, and, and, and honestly, the struggle is what makes it more beautiful. The whole story, the whole picture, leaving no no stone unturned, nothing hidden, shows the goodness of God and the fullness of His redemption. Um, And I think you, you writing this book and telling the truth and sharing, boasting, like Paul says, in your weakness so that God may be glorified. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, I'm so encouraged by 
your courage, you know? And I'm I'm discipling girls in college right now and young professionals. And just them having a safe space to go there and name is is transforming. It's just so transforming. And I think the more we can have that permission at a younger age, and you as a mother and me as a mother can offer that to daughters earlier in life, right? Like in, you know, early 20s, late teens, not wait till, you know, yeah, later, like on the for offense me. <laughs> here, guys, not the defense. Yeah. Okay. And, and honestly, what's happening is you're like, you're shifting a generational trajectory for your children and their children there. You you like get to become, it's not you at all, it's the Holy Spirit at work in you, is doing such a healing work that you now offer something that you didn't receive. And wow, that is completely God, right? To to gift you with that. And it's just, mm-hmm. it fires me up just to see you. So I could go on and on. We're I know, crying. I'm like, we got tissues everywhere. <laughs> I, I was glad I got to listen in on that little moment with you guys. But Tony, we, we just appreciate you and your courage to write your story and to put it out there. So many people walk through um, things not as hard as what you've walked through and not ever expressed it. And you're doing that publicly. And I know that's going to help a lot of people feel the exact courage and bravery that you want them to feel to walk walk into that healing. So thank you. And Thanks, keep up the good work. I'm so grateful. Well, I don't cook a lot around the home, but I've been learning how to do it more recently. Rebecca's been a part of encouraging that. And of course, our sweet little joy loves to step up and be a part of all of our cooking experiences. And that's been a beautiful thing in our home and for our house. And so, of course, we have a garden, and so we've got the vegetables. But what we need help with many times is the plant and how do we do it. And so what I love about Prep Dish is that they come alongside and they help us actually move into new ideas and new ways that we can prep meals. And so Prep Dish is the best way for all of us who are busy to get healthy meals on the table without stress. In fact, it can be fun. And subscribers receive an email every week with an organized grocery list and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. And this means dinner time is super quick. It's easier than it's ever been. And the meal plans are always seasonal. So as we move into the fall, that's what we're talking about. We're going to have plenty of hearty stews and crockpot meals. And these are all the things I love, especially when there's a little bit of nip in the air. And so if you think you don't have time to meal prep, I know we used to think the same thing, but move forward with Prep Dish Super Fast Meal Plans. You can prep five healthy dinners in just one hour. And trust me, that one hour meal prep pretty much saves our sanity, at least in our family, for the rest of the week. It's 100% worth it. Learn more at prepdish.com slash RFL. I hope that was an encouragement to you. Even what Tony shared at the end about healing as a daughter to become a mother. I mean, so many of us, as women who hear that, we all tear up because we want that. We want we want to raise strong and confident daughters, and we want to give them sometimes what we haven't even fully received until later in life. So the earlier we can help people feel safe to to go there and to name the pain, um, we, we get to watch transformation happen, and there's no greater joy. Yeah, so— Get Tony's book, Brave Enough to Be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing. And if you want to take one of those last few spots at the Emotional Health Retreat, go to RebeccaLyons.com slash EH Retreat. And let's continue to invite more and more people into healthy, emotional lives. And you can do that by sending them to RebeccaLyons.com slash Emotional Health, where we can all continue these conversations together. We'll look forward to keeping this conversation going next week. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.